This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Cowboys, joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broadus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. You can also catch him as the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, uh, Merry Christmas to you and everyone listening. As we record this on Christmas, you guys will actually hear this Monday morning. Uh, But uh, Brian, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, all that. Merry Christmas to you as well. We got quite a present uh, from AT&T Stadium on Saturday. That's a hell of a football game. You know, really, really was. I mean, neither team was just... (laughs) Neither team was interested in going away, and, and both defenses were under attack. I I felt like Dallas's defense would be under attack. I didn't feel like Philadelphia's defense would become under attack. It's the way it was, but really nice job by the Cowboys finishing that one off. Yeah, and let's uh, let's see which way we want to take this. For it's funny you say it being a great football game because I'm standing in the tunnel uh, waiting for the game to end so that we can do our NFL Network interview on the field. And we didn't know at that point if we'd be interviewing Philadelphia or Dallas. Um, and I see Devonte Smith make that big catch inside the twenty uh, with like thirty seconds left. And when he makes that catch, I, I'm sitting there feeling like, okay, this one's about to slip away from them. But in my head, I was still sitting there thinking. And this has been a great game. It would be awful for them to lose this because this has been a fantastic game. That, to me, is probably the most entertaining football game the Cowboys have played this season. Oh, they've had a few that have, uh, that have. Uh, I think, that, you know, with some of the comebacks and, you know, the Houston game, they didn't play particularly well. Houston's beating them with cover two all day. Dallas gets the ball. They're attacking cover two, and you're like going, man. But then there was down the field, the Minnesota game. I mean, there have been some games that have, for me, have been entertaining. But that was the one when you start to talk about it, Bobby, that, you know, Philadelphia was minus their quarterback. Yeah. As as were you when you first time you met them. But their defense was intact. Now, they had guys that got knocked out as the game went on. Maddox got knocked out. Uh, Davis got knocked out. So, but overall, your offense was going against their first defense. And for them, the Cowboys to throw the ball as well as they did against that defense, against that secondary, I think that says a lot. And, uh, you know, but on the flip side of that, we, we talked about this, you know, with Gardner Minshew, this is not some – just guy. This is when you right. watched him play in the Pac-12 for Mike Leach. That's all I kept thinking about, by the way. As a game, as they were driving the ball, I'm thinking after this game, if they win, he is going to give that Mike Leach was with me in spirit day, you know, kind of a thing. But you watch, you watch Gardner Minshew throw that football. I've seen him do this before. 
I've seen him do it at you know at at at, at the Washington State against some good Pac-12 defenses and just kind of carve them up. So yeah, Dallas was. I mean, they're just hanging on and hanging on. And uh, but like I said, to get that victory, uh, uh, very satisfying and very entertaining all in the same day. Let's talk. Uh, I guess first off, I mean the the, the probably the highlight or, or or the most important player that this came down to, as it often does, is going to be your quarterback and the way that he plays. Um, you know, it it felt. It, it felt really it, that first drive. I think it was his second pass. He throws the interception to Josh Sweat, and there's no debates about that one or or, or or caveats you can throw in there. It was just an awful. He he misjudged who Josh Sweat was in front of him, um, and and so that was an instance where he just made a bad decision and made a bad you know choice and thought, oh, I can throw this over his head, and he absolutely couldn't throw it over his head. Um, and so, uh, after that first interception, he runs it back, they're down 10, nothing. And you kind of felt like, here we go again. They can't get out of their own way. This is what's going to happen. And then from then on out, Dak Prescott played uh, undoubtedly to me, the best game he's played all year. Yeah. And I guarantee you when they ran that play in practice, uh, Tack McKinley didn't jump up in the air like, uh, sweat did to defend that ball, you know? Dak, and when they ran that play in practice, Dak probably dropped back, in came, and then all of a sudden it was just, you know, direct shot to Schultz. You know, now we're going to run the play and go forward. So, you know, sometimes you get in these games, and, and we talk about the Cowboys, and when they practice, when they don't practice, you know, keeping players fresh and all, you know, Sometimes in a game, you, you get comfortable throwing a play. You get comfortable throwing a route. And then you call it a game, and you're like, oh, that's not how we practice the play. You know, we practice the play with, uh, you know, with with uh, with uh, Tyler Smith, you know, taking his guy and making sure and nobody getting close to Dak, and then you just dump it over the top. Right. You know, and that's what happens to you sometimes. Uh, but – you're right about Dak overall after that. Uh, it was, it, you know, he, he was just not, he was just not going to let them lose this game. And, and I mean that in a way of the way that he was able to come back, you know, his accuracy, the scrambling that, that third and third and third 30. And, well, not the third and 30, <laughs> but the one, the, the scramble where, He's uh, he's dead to rights. Maddox has got him. Oh yeah, I think rights. that was like third and seven or something. Yeah, third, it was actually third and five, if I remember correctly. And uh, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't go to the ground. And what does he do? He throws the ball to Michael Gallup for eight yards, and now it keeps the drive going. And it's a second and eight. Same drive, scrambles for ten yards, not letting the drive die. You know that that's the kind of things that Dak Prescott was able to do after, unfortunately, through that uh, that interception that was a pick six. But everybody seems to focus on that interception and another pick six as we go forward here. Yeah, in fact, here are the numbers. John Machota tweeted these out from The Athletic. Here are the numbers for Dak Prescott after the interception, Brian. 25 of 32, 332 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, a 141.6 passer rating. It's really in, impossible to do much better than he did. Against one of the best 
better, or if you want to say defenses in the National Football League. Statistically, the best pass defense in the NFL this season um, is is what he does. And then now that before we jump into the next thing I want to talk about here is I I want to discuss CeeDee Lamb and the way that he played again yesterday and the the receiver that he's turned into. But that third and 30 that, that I referenced a little bit ago, have you ever seen and look, I know there are some that are probably a little more like, oh, wow, look how he threaded this and things like that. But just a a straight drop it in the bucket, especially given the the weight of the play. Seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're about to have to punt. It's third and 30. The The conversion rate on third and 30 plus uh, since 1994, which is as far back as play statistics go on pro football reference. The conversion rate is two point three percent. Um, in fact, teams generally turn it over more than they pick up a first down on that play. Um, but have you ever seen Dak Prescott make a better pass? E- even if there's been some that are equal to it, have you ever seen one that's better than the one he threw there? I'm going to make you feel real bad here. You're going to, you're going to say like, look, it's T.Y. Hilton, the quarterback. You're supposed to make those throws. What are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to dump on my quarterback. Hit me with it. <laughs> Do you remember a pass he threw to another really short, small receiver? The one against the Giants in the back of the end zone at the end of 2018 was beautiful. It was. It, it absolutely was. It's man. Here's I know you're going to watch rolling, the tomorrow. rolling to his left. He throws that ball. It's, it's beautiful. The, it's what I mean. I've seen some quarterbacks throw some unbelievable ball balls. Brett Favre. Uh, you know, I, I've been around them all. I'm Troy Aikman. I've been around them all. Uh, that ball he threw in the Giants game was probably the best pass, most clutch pass. That was a clutch pass yesterday. That really, really was. And especially with him and what he had to do you know, to get the ball down the field and give T.Y. Hilton a lot of credit for concentrating. Oh, I mean, that, because, yeah. There's a little he, bobble. Well, he runs past, he runs past Slay, uh, excuse me, Slay, and now he's down that sideline, and you got safety over the top that's like swiping as the ball's kind of coming down. Yep. And I mean, where the ball was put, and how uh, Hilton was able to concentrate and get it in, haul it in, and make the play. Yeah. But if you ask me, one of the best passes that Dak's ever thrown, I'd have to say the one in the Giants game that won that game was uh, that was that was just as just as beautiful. I, I think I think when so you'll you'll go into the start tomorrow morning to watch tape, right? I will be there. Yeah. Let me know how the end zone view looks. Let me know how the end zone view of the pass looks because oh, I think I, it, it was yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, it that was that was not an that was not an easy throw at all. Not it, at all. But it, in a in a in a really a crucial part of the game too. I mean, I think at that point you're you're you men you mentioned two percent chance. You know, earlier in the game, Hilton had drawn a pass interference call as well, or a defensive holding, or contact. yeah, it was a le- it was a legal contact on fourth and eight. Like sudden, you're like two of the most crucial plays in a game. You get the ball, to the Eagles right there. That that's probably going to be points for them, you know. And so I, man, I, I, I mean, look, already already involved in what's going on two very crucial plays that help you win that football game uh, on, uh, on Saturday. 
What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, does this Dak talked earlier last week? He said this was an opportunity to be a statement game for them because of the statement it could make to themselves, less so the statement they make to the rest of the NFL. Um, do you think the statement they made to themselves yesterday was what we've kind of been talking about? You know, you've said the offense has to carry him and, and what include, you know, what's including that in all likelihood is the passing game has to carry him if they really want to get into these back-to-back games that were 40 to 34 with the Jaguars last week that you're on the wrong end this week you're on the right end of it but do you think the statement made last week is we went up against the best pass defense in the NFL Dak played the best game of his season put up you know huge numbers do you think the statement yesterday was we have the confidence now to know Dak can carry us against anybody if we need him to the only person they were missing was their quarterback and you played them earlier in the year and your quarterback was not available as well. So when he starts to talk about, you know, that, there you go. But the fact that the Eagles were at full strength when they kicked that ball off yesterday, full strength on defense. Again, I mentioned the guys they lost along the way, but to get a victory, to put up points, to get yards, they didn't run the ball worth a damn. But you know what? They ran enough, and Dak ran enough to make it work. You know, that's how these teams are winning games now. Your quarterback kicks in 40 yards, 50 yards, 100 yards if you're fortunate. You know, that's what happens in these games. And if you're the Cowboys, you take a lot of positive things away from that game. You turn them over. You know, you got to stop on the final drive. You got actually a couple of stops, you know, to, to get your offense a chance to win that game and put it away. You know, you just didn't do it the right way. But I, I don't know how you can't walk away, you know, watching that game going, damn, they just put up a lot of yards and a lot of points on statistically one of the best defenses in the National Football League. And moreover, CeeDee Lamb again was so, so good again on Saturday. Uh, this is over his last eight games, Brian. He's been targeted 69 times. He's made 54 catches. 728 yards, six touchdowns. His catch percentage is up to 78.3%. If you average that out over 17 games, Brian, that's a receiving total of 115 catches, 1,547 yards, and 13 touchdowns. That's an all-pro stat line. Um, Do you think we've really, you know, I think people felt like he had a good start to the season. He was playing steady for him, you know, even with Dak out. It's 75 against Cincy, 87 against the Giants, 97 against Washington, playing steady ball. But do you think we've come to the second half of the season and with Dak and CD really able to finally have this time together as CD's coming to his own, do you think we're seeing that CD Lamb is, has stepped up into the level of elite receiver, not just a guy who can be a number one, but is now an elite receiver? I think he's working that direction, Bobby. I, I really, really do. Uh, you know, it was like he was like at 10, uh, you know, early in the year, and then every week he's – got a little bit better. I feel now you start to talk to him, say from that 10 to now maybe in the top six 
when we start talking about receivers. Uh, and, you know, to, if you want to call the top five the elite, I think he's just on the, the, the just the bottom rung of that. It's just one rung below some of those guys like we see, the Jeffersons, the Chases, you know, the uh, uh, Hills, guys like that. Uh, you know, I, I think he's I think he's just a tick below that with the opportunity here in the next couple of weeks. And then as we get in the playoffs to try and elevate himself into that top, that top five. Is there an argument to be made that as, as much as they are, you know, he, he's putting up great numbers, just some of the games he's had. And since November 11 for 150 against green Bay, six for one Oh six against the giants, seven for one twenty six against Jacksonville, 10 for one twenty yesterday against Philadelphia, even him getting 10 catches yesterday and 11 targets, for me, Brian, I don't know about you. I still came out of that going like they didn't get him the ball enough. It felt I like. thought I felt that they could I felt Dak could have thrown 20 passes to him and you could have had a, a really huge day. The Eagles had a very difficult time, and I can't wait to watch the all 22 Monday morning. Uh at, you know, at everybody listening to this, and then report back on our next show or on 1053 the fan if you listen to us the G Bag Nation. Uh, and talk about the breakdown of that because I guarantee you there were probably some more times where he was even open when they didn't even get him the ball. He's yeah. starting to look like CeeDee Lamb. I said this, he's starting to look like CeeDee Lamb that I saw at Oklahoma where yeah. it's get him the ball and go, get him the ball and go, get him the ball and go. You know, it's not, you know, it's it's not this, you know, ball behind him, he's having to adjust and, you know, it's it, it's everything is is working in the right way for him uh, in this uh, in these games, and uh, he's he's played outstanding football. Yeah, it's it felt like a game yesterday that he could have had sixteen catches, um, but they Easily. just they, they, they kind yeah. of they kind of moved away from him a little bit in the second half. I mean, he had a hundred yards at halftime. Um, I think he had three targets the entire second half. Um, so that's the interesting thing. Do you think it's CD said this himself at the beginning of the season where he said, I feel like if I'm not getting going, the offense isn't getting going. And that's something, you know, I've quoted on here quite a bit. Um, But it is interesting that obviously you need the quarterback to be part of that process for a receiver to truly get going. You need good quarterback play for the receiver to be able to execute the way he needs to. But is that Dak to CD? We've heard the straw that stirs the drink comment from Jerry before about Zeke and everything else. He said it before about Dak being the engine, but more specifically, is the Dak to CD connection going to determine how well this offense plays? Yes, it will. It will. Now, will teams be able to take that away? You know, will teams – we saw what Jacksonville did on a third and ten. They triple covered it. Yeah. You know, so maybe you're going to see teams, you know, now it's going to be more on – well, even more on Kellen Moore as to moving him around. Don't keep him stationary. Don't let people bracket him or double cover him. You know, keep him moving, keep him going, keep him running, you know, keep being creative. Don't allow teams to sit there and set their defenses in the secondary, especially off where he's aligned. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 